Hello and welcome to the Saints Score on Voice FM 103.9 as well as all of your good podcasting platforms. We're back for another week of the podcast and the international break is now over, meaning the Premier League returns for the first Yay. time in two weeks. And for Ooh. back-to-back weeks, we've got all four of us for what feels Yay. like a long time. We've had consecutive weeks where all four of us have been available. And Jamie, I'm going to go to you first. How's your week been and, and how are you right this very second? I'm ecstatic, Harry, because this week I've had two new Saint shirts delivered to me. Ooh, I've got the nice. 1994 Flash 5 Away Kit, which is signed by Lauren, Lauren McMenemy, or Laurie, to say depends how you say it um, and a few other players from that season and also a match worn Kenwin Jones shirt from um, the Poppy shirt as well from November 11th you know the Memory Sunday mm. I, I stumbled a few of my words there so I'm actually really excited I've got it there's two of my favourite shirts for a while I've been looking keeping an eye on eBay they finally arrived you seem like you've got a bit of a collection going now how, how many have you got in your collection and which one's well, sort of your favourite one because it, it feels like since we've done the podcast and even before that really just pick out random shirts from absolutely nowhere and they just arrive at your door that is true so to be fair actually i was i'm on number 45 now Ooh. of different saint shirts and my favorite one is probably the 94 away kit that arrived this week if not it's the yellow third kit from when we played newcastle so i also have that and uh, elia scored his brace and it is from the 2014-15 season. Is it just shirts or do you collect other things like programs well, and I do have all, a, all that funny sort of stuff? It, I, I do have a few programs I'm building up on now. I got the from all, FA Cup final, I got a program and a ticket. From there, I got um, programs from our semi-finals, like, like in 84 against Everton. So it's a few, you know, I'm building it up slowly as well. You're trying to get all the big games and maybe like some of the European ones from right back yeah, in the I day as well. Have the, I already have the Europa League ones from when I my, when I went to the more recent ones, but yeah, yeah. I need to get the ones. I think it was it 2003 we last in it around around that around time. Then, yeah, I yeah. played Andalex because I think I think my dad's got a stash of them upstairs, which I, I do like looking through. I think it was a couple of months ago. Right, Mikey, I go to you next. How's your week been? Oh, it's been good. It's been. Tired, well, tiring, yeah. Yesterday was very tiring. Um, went to see a friend in Bournemouth and then went to the new job in Dorchester, which oh, was quite very good. Nice. Uh, being their analyst down there, uh, which was great. I mean, we won 3 0, it was quite funny. We absolutely battered them in the first half and then just asked more of the same from the players. And then within the first 10 minutes of the second half, we were 2 0 up, so it, it, it was very good 3 0 victory at home. Lovely place, lovely stadium. Uh, yeah, it was very, very good, very enjoyable. So you, so you went there for the first time. Were you doing sort of the Eddie Howe against Brighton? You were just sort of in the stands <laughs> watching the players, and then you then you're gonna go, or was it? You know, I'm in the stands, but then I am gonna put an input in there as well. Oh yeah, no, I I was I was around the changing room. I was involved with some of the decisions that made, which is quite nice. That's quite cool. Uh, um but yeah i mean to, to be honest like probably one of the best things that came from it where the stadium is there's a tesco's and the tesco's has a water fountain outside of it it's a really Ooh. like it's a really posh tesco's it's it is, yeah. <laughs> so be, i think meal deals in there are going to be like six quid or something like that it's gonna be double oh, the price just to just to uh you pay for the water fountain, pay for the water fountain in front yeah 
<laughs> so if I'm, I'm expecting to buy something from there, which would be quite cool. But yeah, no, it was a great day out last uh, yesterday. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, it was quite funny. You know, when we went to um, us and a couple friends went to, I think it was Alton Towers when you came up to Derby where I live and we drove past that JCB Academy Ooh. place with like all those massive water fountains and those uh, those fields. Is it Was it sort of like that or was it, no, was it a no, bit more scaled the- back? The JCB one was one massive pond and then yeah. one water jet squirting throughout the entirety <laughs> of it. So it, was, I mean, it was definitely smaller, but I think there was like three or four water jets in there. But that JCB one just made no sense whatsoever no. of why. Because it looked like a golf course, didn't it? That's what it yeah. really looked like. It looked like a golf course. I wouldn't be surprised if it was. But yeah. no, not as big, but maybe a bit more grand. I thought I'd only ever see that JCB thing once, and now I go past there every fortnight, and it just makes me smile thinking of the first time that we saw it. It was just, it was just quite funny. And uh, Ollie, well, yes. we started with you last week, but we're going to end with you this time. How, how has your week been? Yeah, I've been good. I've had uh, a busy one, but um, I was out with uh, housemates. It was my housemate's birthday yesterday. So we went out. We had a, I requested a, a late night planning meeting for the podcast <laughs> uh, last night. Jamie was reluctant. Mikey was very tired. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was, it's been a good week, actually. Um, my favourite band are re- releasing an album soon. Nice. Um, what else have we been up to? I made Ikea meatballs, if you're interested. But, you made um, Ikea meatballs? Yeah. Or you, or you just heated them up in the oven? No, I made them. Are, are you, <laughs> do you want me to go into this? Because I'll happily tell you how I made I them. I mean, it is a po- fo- podcast about football, so... Um, okay. I mean, yeah, it's too yes, long. No, 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 I, I want like the recipe. Know, yeah. <laughs> okay basically i made the i didn't uh, the only thing i didn't do was the jam but i did the mash i did the meatballs from scratch and i even did the sauce you know that really nice sauce that you dribble over it yeah basically the key is a, a good uh beef stock and then you need to put in some heavy cream in there make Ooh. a roux uh deglaze put the brine in or the stock whatever you want to use it has to be beef though and then add in your cream to get that thickness into there and it's really, really good. I've got it in the freezer. So if I ever want a quick dinner, I've got IKEA sauce and meatballs in there. So if you want the recipe at Saints Pod, I'll put it on the Saints Pod. Maybe Mikey can stick a picture of uh, the fountain and Tiz can put a picture of JCB World. What do you reckon? Yeah. I mean, we're like, yeah, and we're you can look at my Twitter to see all my Saints shirt Shameless. Shameless. Just plugging everything left, right, and center. Fantastic. I expect when we go to Bristol to, for you to make those meatballs for us, and then you know we can do the taste test if they're as good as the the big oh, brands. They will be. Yeah. Right, uh, we've we've cleared all that up. I feel Is like I've learned. Muted, yeah, yeah no one, Do no we one care? Knows. That's the real question. Uh, no. that, that is a good point. How was yeah. your How was your week? Tis? How is How it was. Yeah, very. You know, because I like to ask around. I think Mikey did last week, and I felt I didn't know what to say because I'm sort of just I sort of like move it on to whatever we're about to talk about. But yeah, it's it's been nice. Thank you. It's been very nice trying to trying to do more exercise every week, and I I'm feeling the benefits, which makes me happier as well. But yeah, how gone to a the, few uh, games. It was good. Yeah, how was the Burton women's game? Because I saw on Twitter that it didn't start too well. No, they they conceded twice in the first three minutes, and I thought, oh, this this might be a bit tough. But they defended well for the rest of the half. They, they didn't concede. They did 
concede another couple in the second half but you know they are getting better and uh, I, I do enjoy going to both them and Gresley Rovers as well it just sort of it varies it up a bit and uh, yeah it's it's very very enjoyable I'm doing that tonight actually as well Wednesday as we're recording this so hopefully by the time this comes out they've got a point maybe even three uh, away from home but I do have to leave about five-ish so it's going to be it's going to be a bit of a trek anyway we'll go oh. on to Sorry, what was that, Jamie? Set you... up the Burton woman. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> right, we'll go into Saints, because it feels like we haven't talked about current affairs for quite a long time, at least from the start. And this time, now, like I said, the international break is over, and let's preview Norwich City. They're currently bottom of the table, but they did beat Brentford last time out, and they did change their manager as well. Mikey, what sort of effect do you think that will have on them? And do you think it was the right decision? I want to start with that. I know we're not a Norwich City podcast, but was it the correct decision to move out Daniel Farker after he was winless in about 20? Then he beats Brentford and then he gets obviously obviously sacked and then replaced by Dean Smith. Do you think it was the right decision to move him on? Uh, yes. If you look at the way that they did play against Brentford, it was poor. Like they, they were, I think... Uh, if you follow James Lawrence Orcott on YouTube, he, he said something about it being one of the worst wins he's yeah. ever seen. Um, it, it was, it wasn't good. Uh, I think my favorite stat was, I think 70% of their passes were long balls. So when, when like Norwich came up last year, they played good possession football. They're an incredibly young side. They wanted to play football in the right way. Um, Unless it's a di- your your opinion differs, um, you know, <laughs> want to play football in the right way, um, and it made sense. So even when they went down and they came back up again, there was a style, there was a tactical style there, and then they come back up this year and they just sort of lost what they were doing. I think Emmy Buendia is going to be a massive miss for them, uh, being almost their Jack Grealish for Aston Villa, just creating everything, being involved in everything, and um. Yeah, I think they're a little bit lost and Daniel Fark just didn't really know what to do anymore. And as much as they did win, they probably planned that two weeks in advance for the international break, get a new manager in, get two weeks. Um, But I guess that their plan wasn't to get... Um, the, oh, I can't... Dean Smith in. Dean Smith, yeah. I'm guessing that wasn't their plan because he wasn't available... Uh, two weeks before the international break (laughs) and they've acted very quickly to bring him in and I think that's a really good appointment for them do you think in a weird way that he's he's going to be kicking himself or is it sort of similar to the Aston Villa situation where Villa lost Grealish and then they brought loads of you know good players in I know we're talking about uh, Villa here where where you've got Bailey uh, Ings uh, other players like that and then with Norwich they've lost Buendia and they've brought in you know the Josh Sargents the Billy Gilmore's uh, the Lees Maloos, Rashika as well, yeah. yeah. But they've lost that central hub. Will Dean Smith be kicking himself that he bought his best player, <laughs> brought him to his old club, and now he's back to Norwich? Well, now he to thinks, be, oh, that's to be fair, to his, I think he probably would have got a move elsewhere anyway because when Deer was a hot, um, hot, hot topic prospects. this time, yeah. yeah. I, although he hasn't necessarily had the greatest start to his Aston Villa life, but I, I can only imagine it will get better under Stephen Gerrard. Hmm. 
And Ollie, you know, they've got Dean Smith through the door, and I, I sort of ask all three of you this. Do you think that's the right appointment? You know, he will be the first manager to play back-to-back games against the same team, and hopefully he'll be the first manager to lose back-to-back games against the same team as well. But <laughs> it's, it felt like he set Aston Villa up quite well, and a, a lot of people have been talking about how he kept them up the first season. But then on the flip side, you could say, you know, if goal line technology or Hawkeye was working properly and they lost oh, against Sheffield United, they wouldn't have kept, he wouldn't have kept them up. But sometimes things fall for you and he did so what, what are your opinions on that appointment um i think he's probably the right person for norwich uh, i think it's a good match i think villa were transitioning into they had such a influx of cash when Grealish went and obviously Grealish was kind of dean smith's star boy so mm. when he went it was a massive rebuild but it was also a change in direction for the club they, they put a lot of money in, into you know, the reinvestments, and they were already doing that a lot as well with Villa. So he had the quality coming in, but it's a different type of management when you're trying. I mean, at the start of the season, Villa fans were calling for like Europa, maybe even Champions League, which was <laughs> old. But yeah, it's a different style of management when you've got like a, a highly rated youngster like Leon Bailey going through. And you, you have to, it's a different management to potentially bringing someone up from the championship. And he's losing a lot of that, that spine that he kind of had through those years managing as well when you do a big rebuild. So yeah, I, I guess Villa tried to go for a, a different direction, but I think Norwich, I think he'll do all right, but I don't, I don't imagine Norwich like will turn it round and have like a, a crazy end, like second half to the season, if that makes sense. I feel like he will just do, he'll do them well, if that makes sense. I think that it's a sensible decision that in the long term will probably work out all right, but that's kind of as far as it goes for me. I, I thought Villa shot too early. Um, I think they could have given Dean Smith more time. I think he deserved more time. Um, the I, I know the performance against us wasn't exactly great, but you've got to think they're without Danny Ings. They had if Emmy Buendia had stayed on the pitch and didn't cramp up. I think we could have been un- under a lot more bother in the last 20 minutes. I think the entire second half would have been just them dominating because Buendia came alive. He was he was fantastic. Um, but I, I think some of the signings he did make in the summer, some of them make sense, some of them don't. Uh, I think especially striker-wise, Ings, fantastic signing. Of course, if you can get him for £30 million, you're going to take him because he could have hit £40, £50 million. He would have been available for a lot more clubs at the end of his contract than um, than in that summer. But the problem is, is that Ings works well in a pair. He doesn't work well as a single striker up top. Ollie Watkins works well as a single striker up top and not as a pair. Mm. So all of a sudden, you've now got to try and merge these two players together and either play one of them, which will be a problem because the other one will be upset. They're both fantastic strikers. They both play for England. Um, or you play both of them and it doesn't really work out. And that's something you've got to give him time for. And you got to think, like, he's lost the most creative player in the league, the most creative player in the top five leagues in Europe. Like, that is what Jack Grealish is. Everything flowed through him. You've got to give him time to figure out how to change that and how to make that better. And so I do feel sorry for him. Um, uh, I think also you look at the reaction from the players, I think is something that you really can look into. Like when um, when Kuman went from Barcelona, Pjanic put something on his Instagram, but basically just saying finally or something like that. And you can tell that there was a lot of frustration from the players. But you look at messages from like Tyra Mings and Matt Target and people like that, they were very thankful towards him. And they are very like... 
they were doing nice post nice messages and you may just say yeah that's what the players have to do but at the end of the day it's the players talking about their manager who's been there for four or five years guided them through promotion through um through a relegation battle and then into a very good season from last year so i think he probably deserved a bit more time than villa gave him steven gerrard is an interesting appointment and i don't know how it will go um but yeah i mean i guess we'll see yeah i I know this isn't the aston villa side of the podcast but i do i do find it interesting that they've replaced a manager of a lot of experience, a proven track record with Steven Gerrard, who, yes, he has won the Scottish Premier League, but that was against a Neil Lennon Celtic side that probably was the worst out of the 10 seasons since their, their start of their title reign. And he's won, what, not one out of nine possible trophies. You know, he didn't win the uh, the League Cup or, or really do that much in Europe, although they are progressing and it would have been interesting to see how he would have done next season because from next year, whoever wins the league gets an automatic place in the Champions League group stage. So I guess, I guess we'll never know, but I guess if you've got a chance to come into the Premier League and then, although Villa fans won't like to hear it, yet they do know it, that it will try and be a stepping stone to get to Liverpool. And whether whether that works, we're yet to see and we're yet to find out. But after the break, we'll talk a bit more about Norwich, a bit more about Dean Smith as well, because I do want to do want to ask whether that is the correct appointment and maybe if Frank Lampard could have been a better option because he was in the hat as well but once Dean Smith came available I understand that he was their number one target and before we go to the break we'll do a bit of the three-man quiz we do it every week and none of you three got it last week if you're new to this quiz the answer to the question is a former Saints player and the three clues are a Saints player a, a player that he played with before his time at Saints after he left Saints and during his time at Saints. And this week, the three players are Jermaine Defoe, Gary Cahill and Sadio Mane. That's Jermaine Defoe, Gary Cahill and Sadio Mane. If you think you know the answer, get it at Saints underscore score on Twitter or at Voice FM Radio. You've got a few more minutes and, you know, then we're going to talk a bit more about Saints versus Norwich. We'll see you then. Hello, welcome back to Voice FM 103.9. We are currently joined by George Wilson, sports journalist and Norwich fan. Welcome to the show, George. How are you doing, mate? I'm very well. Thank you for welcoming me on. Excited for it. Excited for Saturday's game as well. <laughs> I'm glad to say we we'll ask you a few questions in this segment of the podcast. And first of all, as I said, thank you for coming on. Like, what do you think Norwich's biggest threat is going into this game? Um, I'd say the biggest threat is probably the unknown um we're all quite excited as fans to start off under dean smith it was quite a long process with getting the new manager in and not really knowing who it was going to be until quite um soon before the announcement but i think after what's been a pretty torrid start to the season other than our last game we're all excited to see which players he brings back in um how he sets us up it's obviously going to be a really difficult game because of the form that you guys have been in. But I think whenever a new team gets a manager in, there is always that excitement there because of, you know, the dead cat bounce, as some call it, the mm. new manager bounce that comes into it. And we're obviously hoping that um, we experience that. No? Yeah, and... Um... You know, we talked about Dean Smith, Frank Lampard. I think we've had a plenty, plenty of discussions in the house because for the viewers that don't know, me and George do share a house as, as well as three other people. It's not just... I want to know me. about that, by the way. 
We have enough time at the end. Can I ask about what Tizard's like to live with? Yeah, I mean, yeah. After this, bit, after this, bit, you, you can you can say what you want, Ollie. Okay. Are you happy with Dean Smith? Is he the best option that you could have gone for? Because at the start, you were you know you were flirting with Frank Lampard. You were excited with that because you know modern, new, fresh manager Dean Smith. What are your immediate thoughts on that? Yeah, in terms of Lampard, um, there was a time kind of early last week that it looked likely it was going to be Lampard. Initially, I wasn't sure on him, but I talked myself round to it through both looking at what people were saying on Twitter, among other things. Um, but I think now Smith is in the door, it, it feels like probably a more sensible appointment. Um, I think Lampard would have definitely been exciting, but whether he would have brought the um, the guarantees that we want, not that it's a guarantee by any stretch that Dean Smith is going to keep us up, but the fact he's done it before gives me a bit more confidence that maybe he could surprise people this year because even with him in it's still going to be a difficult ask but I, I do think Dean Smith is a good choice um, and the thing is without being disrespectful to Saints I've spoken to you about this Harry that the next three games for Norwich it's Saints at home Wolves at home and Newcastle away so it's like I said without being disrespectful it's a good opportunity to maybe get off the mark under him um, but as I said Saints is not going to be easy by any stretch. Mikey, you're a man for an like an analytical question. You can ask anything about George because he knows Norwich inside out. So uh, that was that was the plan. I was going to stick to Norwich. I wasn't going to do what Ollie's going to attempt to do <laughs> in the next in the next bit. Um, basically, so you came into the season. I, there's a uh, Norwich fan at Totten uh, who runs the radio station down there and he, mm. when we were discussing with him uh, at the start of the season what he was expecting he was just expecting him to go back down again so and especially losing Emi Buendia he was a massive loss at the start of the season did you feel that this Norwich side are actually good enough staying up in the Premier League this time around? Um, I certainly had my doubts at the start of the year but I also thought that our recruitment this year was a lot stronger than what it was two years ago, which um, gave me quite a lot of optimism, to be honest, along with the fact that last year was a record points total for us in the championship and whatever. I think um, Daniel Farker was definitely exposed for not being cut out for it at this level yet. I'm not saying that doesn't mean that later in his career he might find a way to do it, but there were a number of performances um, in the first 10 games that we're just nowhere near up to it, as I'm sure a lot of you would have seen because, you know, it, it, it's well documented how under Farker we kind of become the whipping boys of the league. Um, it was great relief to get that win at Brentford um, before the international break. And then obviously strange that Farker left, but it's, it's definitely the right call that they have made the change because um, the start has been nowhere near good enough. Was I expecting us to stay up at the start of the year? Yeah, I was because the the yo-yoing, which the club have become known for, is no fun as a fan. So you expect, after going down previously, you expected the club to come up with that ambition. And I do think the change of manager suggests that that ambition is still there. What sort of players do we have to look out for? Who's impressed you both this season, but also the signings that you made? And how have those signings got on as well? Um, in terms of the signings, I can't say any of them have like really hit it off, obviously, because of the, the results that we've had. Um, the one that 
I've probably been most impressed by is um, Milo Rashitsa, who, um, while, like I say, there probably could have been more from him, you can still see that there's a lot of potential there with him and also his ability on, on the counter-attack is clearly there and he was really good at Brentford with that. Um, in terms of defensive players, Andrew Omabamadeli, who... I think he's 19, an Irish international. He's broken through over the last couple of games and he looks pretty solid. But also something which will get a lot of um, probably national media, not hype ahead of the game, but a bit of attention around it is um, about Billy Gilmore and Todd Cantwell, who towards the end of Farker's reign were kind of just phased out completely. I don't think either player has played a minute in the league since September or something like that. So that they've really been pushed to the side um, controversially as well because, you know, Gilmore's been winning games for Scotland um, and doing really well there. And Campwell is a player who at the start of the season we thought was going to be really important. So I personally am hoping that for this Southampton game, those two come straight back in because I think, like I said, we were looking at them as two key players and they haven't been that as of yet. Score prediction then. We all want, we all want to know. Unless, Olive, you've got another Norwich-based <laughs> You wanna you wanna throw it in before I was you ask about um Nor was it Norman? Because I know you said he was one of your favourite players this season. Um so I just wanted to know what you know what he's done this season that's made him stand out. Yeah, I've done um I've done Norman Norman a disservice there really. And uh, <laughs> I'm very surprised when he didn't mention it, I've got to be honest. I've got to be very honest. I was surprised you didn't say him. Yeah, um he he has been really impressive since coming in on loan. Um for a defensive midfielder, he's he's not of the build you expect. He's he's quite slender and quite small, but he's really tough tackling and he gets about for someone of his size. Um, he scored a very good goal at Brentford as well. Um, and I think he will definitely be one to start on Saturday. That's one thing I... One thing I'm slightly unsure on when it comes to playing Norman and Billy Gilmore together, I think Gilmore's something like five foot six, five foot seven, is they are both quite lightweight. And I, I don't know kind of how you feel with Southampton's midfield, how they would match up if they were to go with Norman and Gilmore as a pairing. But I think eventually Dean Smith will try that because they probably are among our best two central midfielders. And Norman's going to play probably every game for us till the end of the season, barring any injuries. You sort of looked at it and there's been an international break now. Do you think that will hurt your momentum? Because that's what I'm worried about with Saints, that we've done really well, three wins out of four. Then there's an international break. And yes, our players have done well. You know, Che Adams and Stuart Armstrong have done well. Elianusi was unlucky. I think he got a goal disallowed for Norway in one of their games. Do you think that that new manager about to sort of get get rid of maybe the two weeks where you've not been playing a game? Um, potentially, I suppose. But the thing is, because because Brentford was the first win and we'd had so much misery beforehand, you couldn't say that there was much momentum there. There, there was yeah. there was great relief that we won the game. Don't get me wrong. Optimism, more yeah, than optimism yeah. for sure. Yeah, but I, I think even coming away from that game. You still, you still didn't didn't have an abundance of belief that um, that we could suddenly go on a long run because of the games that had come before then. Whereas by changing the manager and bringing Dean Smith in, I, I think people have more belief than they would have had if we had Farker still in charge going into Saturday's game. So I, I, th I think that's a positive thing. The thing is, Dean Smith um, 
will only start training with the Norwich team on Thursday. So two game, two days before this game. So I, I don't know whether that's whether that's a good thing or a bad thing in terms of he might just want to get his key messages across and just let them go and play, or he might have wanted more time. But I think he said in his opening press conference that he'd agreed with Stuart Weber, who's our sporting director, he'd agreed to say that um, with his wife, he'd said, we're going to see our son over in America because mm -hmm. I think he was in New York for four or five days. So he'd agreed he had to do that and Norwich were happy to abide with that. So he'll get two days training. Whether that'll be enough, we'll see. But I, I'm, I'm optimistic for sure. I guess we'll say ours a bit later, but I want to know your score prediction for the game. What are you saying? It's it's obviously going to be a one in positive positive for Norwich, and I don't blame you for that because I do that if we we're playing Manchester City, and I'd say we'd sneak a one nil win. I'm not saying it's by any means the same sort of comparison, but what are you going to say? Yeah, it's it's dangerous predicting scores because, um, Harry, you you'll be able to tell the other guys that, um, in the following kind of the defeat when we lost to Watford, which was like mid September, I've been really negative going into games. So to now kind of change to to being really positive just because we've changed the manager maybe seems a bit foolish to some, but I am going to do that. I, I think we might edge it 2-1. Um, but yeah, that, that's me with my optimistic head on. I, I, I'm not by any means going into this thinking just because we've got a new manager, we're going to sweep Southampton aside because the results that you guys have got recently have been really strong. I just think... Dean Smith is going to have a real point to prove. Obviously, the fact that you only played him two weeks ago is going to be probably in his head as well. He's going to be thinking that let's make sure it's not two in a row against Southampton. So I think we might just edge it. And before Ollie can sneak in any bad questions about <laughs> things, what worries you from a Southampton's perspective? Because we sort of never get to know this. We sort of know our own strengths or sort of we feel we know what our own strengths are. But from an opposition point of view, what player do you look at and think, oh, he might he might be a bit dangerous, he might cause us trouble? Or alternatively, we can go at this player because he's gonna he's a weak link. Um, I think in in general of Southampton, I think the way you play worries me a little bit because it's all about that that fast counter. And um while Nathan Redman kind of I've questioned to you in the past, because having seen him at Norwich, I, I've questioned his um, his kind of ability to be be physical in the tackle and other areas of, of his game. I think when it comes to carrying the ball, he's pretty strong at that. And I know you've got other players who can do that as well. Um, Livramento is probably the obvious one mm. this year. I, I can't say I've watched many Southampton games, but when it comes to kind of match of the day, which is what I'm basing yeah. a lot of it off, he, he's the standout all the time. And obviously from a fantasy football perspective as yeah. well, he's done really well. Hopefully, well, I'm hoping he doesn't this weekend. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think Che Adams is quite underrated when it comes to strikers as well. Um, I know that his goal-scoring record in the Premier League maybe hasn't been at the heights of Bamford, Bamford last year or... Ollie Watkins, but I think he suits Southampton really well. And he scored that lovely goal at Watford um, not long ago as well. So he's one that I'll be not looking forward to facing. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still devastated that the Cycling GK hasn't uploaded that vlog. I, I, was, I was watching, looking through YouTube when I saw that Arsenal one got uploaded. I was 
absolutely devastated right ollie you've got five minutes so if you've got any question that you want for george it's just this is just really an, an in sort of thing here just for you for you well, i can ask i can ask what you're like to live with and stuff like that any, anything that's okay does for the anyone race? else have any football questions first we'll keep it at least on topic yeah anyone no, ollie, else Oh, yeah, how is Harry at five aside? Because Harry keeps saying that he's the best in the team. I used to say no. That was <laughs> yeah, two did, years actually. ago. That was two years ago. From now, now it's it's not me anymore. Have five, yeah. Harry, Harry we're not asking you the questions, are yeah. we? <laughs> so you don't get to respond to these. Have you guys been uh, been shown Harry's own goal from the other week? Oh yeah, it was on the Snapchat yeah, story. Yeah, it was yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I think um. To Harry's credit, where when he isn't there, I think we um we we miss his stamina. I know. <laughs> no one's ever said that to me. I no, I, 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 ge- I genuinely do think that. I'm not just saying that because he's Jesus Christ. now. Um, but it, it, the problem is, guy. In in general, the uh, the whole team aren't particularly um, strong. We've had a bit of help from one of our mates, is um, one of his friends from school. Um, he he's kind of come in and been the standout and has dragged us through a few games. But I I can't I can't come on here and slag Harry off because in, yes in you reality, can you're in more reality, than welcome to. In reality, none of us are very good. So I mean, I've not scored before, since before the pandemic. <laughs> so all, the, all these things are absolute rubbish. Ollie, you, I have you just, got a question? No, I'm still shocked by the fact that the words stamina and Harry Tizard were put in the same sentence. I mean. I've played. I've played five aside with Harry for for uh, what three years now. Yeah, maybe even four. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, standards are probably just just higher than ours. To be honest, <laughs> that's the the fact. No, it's just that. that when when Harry comes and plays for our five aside team, I'll I'll say to him, look, if you see space, run into it, and he'll go, <laughs> I do when I can, but he does it like <laughs> twice, and that doesn't. That that absolutely doesn't. So yeah. He has about five runs per game. Yeah. The rest is Stamina, just. Yeah. It's just usually like crossing the halfway line is too much for him. I think the oxygen thins for him I'm just even, on that even, side of the pitch. So. Oh, I just, I sort of stay. So I'm sort of getting a nosebleed. I get a nosebleed. <laughs> right. You've got 180 seconds of George Wilson remaining. So Ask George right. Wilson the player quiz. Oh, yeah. also remind the audience as well. Yeah, Jamie, um, that is. Cool. I mean, working with I, professionals. I, I don't know how his Saints knowledge is, but basically the three-player quiz is a the the answer is a former Saints player, and three right. clues are one that he's played before he came to Saints, after and during. And this week it's Jermaine Defoe, Gary Cahill, and Sanzio Mane. Right, and uh, it's in no particular order, but I think the boys have probably got it. So I'll say that Gary Cahill was before he joined Saints. Uh, Jermaine, De- Jermaine Defoe was after he joined Saints, and Sadio Mane was during it during his time. But the problem is, this could be any Saints player. So for someone that doesn't have a, a wealth of knowledge uh, for Southampton specifically, it might be it might be quite difficult to get. So that so these are what because neither of those two played for. No, they didn't play for Saints, but he played <laughs> with the player before he joined. Oh, I got it. And yeah, after, yeah. Yeah. I see what you mean. Um, and he was afterwards. He was it, afterwards. Um, is it Stephen Davies? He's got it. Oh, he's hey. Absolutely. Congratulations. Because Defoe, that must have been at Rangers. I couldn't tell you where it was with Kay, Cahill. No, I couldn't tell you where it was. I didn't know Aston Cahill Villa. played for Yeah, yeah. I, I completely forgot yeah. it was Aston Villa as well. And then... Obviously, Sadio Mane was during his time at Saints. 
Right. Thank you very much, George, for joining us this week. You know, what, what's your at? What podcast is, are you on um, as well? My, we need to know everything. Twitter, my Twitter at is um, GWilson1000. So Good. follow me on there if you want to. Um, and then I, I do a couple of podcasts, haven't done recently, which isn't great, but. There we go. Th- thank you for having me on, though. But best of luck for Saturday, but not too much. Not too but... much. <laughs> right, we'll see you after the break, where we'll discuss the Southampton side of things, talk a bit about the formation, talk a bit about Che Adams as well, because like George said, he's coming into form for club and country, and we'll do our score prediction as well. So we'll see you after this little two-minute interval. This is the Saints score on Voice FM 103.9. We're in our final 20 or so minutes just before we leave you. We're previewing Norwich today. And as always, the last little segment, we have Harry's quiz. Now, George, the opposition the, uh, fan, would you call him? Yeah, fan. Yeah, oh, no, I mean, he is a fan, yeah. Yeah, he is. Um, he got it, so hopefully you got it as well. Harry, do you want to just tell everyone or just go work through it? The, uh, the free man quiz, what was the answer? Well, he, he did say in the last segment, the answer to the three-man quiz with the three clues being Gary Cahill, Jermaine Defoe and Sadio Mane was Stephen Davis. I think I made it too easy this week because if one person What's got up with one name, I've sort of realised that Jermaine Defoe is quite an obvious quite an obvious giveaway because he's only really played for Bournemouth, uh, you know, from other Saints players that he may have played with before. I can't think of another son, a player that would have played with him at Sunderland or, or Spurs or someone like that. So, yeah, next week I'll try and make it a bit more difficult. But if you've got like Stephen a, Davis, well done. A Bournemouth one could have been like Andrew Sermon or someone like that because he played yeah. uh, with Jermaine Defoe uh, towards the end of... Because he went back to Bournemouth, didn't he? He went on loan or something like that. I can't really remember. Yeah. Um, but Andrew Sermon could have been one. But the problem is, is then you're looking at Sadio Mane and it just... Yeah. If I, if I put like a name like Adam Lallana, it might have helped. But then did he play with... No, he didn't even play with Adam Lallana. I can't remember. Were they in the same team? My, my Saints knowledge is all right. Yeah, he obviously Lallana. did. Yeah, because first year Premier League. Yeah. yeah so yeah, if, if, I, if I put Lallana in... Yeah, but maybe a bit more difficult. Stephen, Stephen Davis was there for so long. You could have put so many different players yeah. on there. I think the issue is, is that when you mention Sadio Mane, you think of the Kuman team, and all of a sudden Stephen mm. Davis is there. Like he's, he's the he's was, the crucial he was part. Always there. So yeah. yeah, I think I think that probably that that made it easier. Yeah, but I, yeah, yeah. I, well, me and Jamie instantly after you said the names, like we <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's I almost quicker than Fuanmi, wasn't it? Yeah, really, it's quicker than Fuanmi. It always. I was going to say, can I do a bit of housekeeping? Yeah. Uh, Training videos this week. Did you guys see that Livramento, Broja and Redmond were all in the, the videos? Was War Prowse in there though? That's my worry because he was I, he pulled out of the England squad, and I've not heard any information I'm about sure, War Prowse. So by the time this comes out, people will know because Ralph would have had his press conference. But yeah. sadly, we don't have the luck. No, to, I was looking uh, on the uh, uh, Lianco video where he dinks mm. it quite nicely over. I think it's like the, no, it couldn't have been done under the in Lincoln. Um, no. Who was it? <laughs> uh, I can't remember, actually. But uh, no, nice little skill from Lianco. But if you pay attention in the background, yeah, you see Livramento, Brogia and Redmond all in normal training. So they seem injury-free, which is good. So I th- hopefully that will be confirmed by Ralph. But yeah, I think those three should be in contention for the weekend. So interesting to see where they come back into the side. And should be all Prowse pull out of the England squad due to illness, I think. Was, he did. Wasn't it illness? He did. Yeah. So I think what that was was just 
he doesn't want to risk getting injured. He obviously had his injury problems at the start of the season, uh, through preseason. It might have just been a, a almost almost a thing that Southampton just said to him, just nudged him in the back a little bit and went, "Look, like we can't risk you going off to the England squad and maybe increasing that injury risk that they don't know about. If you just stay at the club, we can work with you through the two weeks of helping you." sort of continue to recover because these injuries could like even though they're back playing football injuries could last for years and yeah. affect players for years so that's something that probably well Prowse had on his mind the Southampton coaching staff had on his mind and illness is just an easy way of saying yeah he's not coming uh so I wouldn't be surprised if that was one of the reasons why it could it could have just been generally Prowse was ill and that's just something that happened but yeah, I think that's probably more of a real look at it of clubs going, oh, no, he's not coming. He's had injury problems. He's not going to international duty this time. Someone that did go to international duty was Che Adams. He got two into it, especially that brilliant goal against Denmark as well, fed through by Stuart Armstrong and Vestergaard keeping him on side as well. So he sort of had a, a Saints slash former Saints trifecta there, which I think confirmed Scotland in a World Cup playoff spot, which is which is really very, very big for them as well. And I think he got he got another goal. I can't remember the, the game before they were playing against. So he is fully in form. Is that is that four and five now that he's got? Because he scored one obviously against Chelsea, one against Watford. He didn't score against Aston Villa, although he had a brilliant header save by Martinez. And then he got back-to-back goals in uh, in, a, in a Scotland shirt as well. So hopefully he's fully fit and firing. And I think we might also have a fully fit and firing squad as well because I, I think Jack Stevens might be near full fitness. And I can't think about anyone else who's who's injured at the moment. So how excited are you that we sort of have a full squad to pick from? And who would you pick up front? Because Armstrong and, um, and Adams, like I just said, they're doing very well. But then Broger, if he's back to full fitness now, especially because he came back early from the international break due to an injury, so he might still be carrying that slightly. Who should be playing up front? Who should be in the defence, midfield, all of that? Is there any changes that you would make? Because we are winning games at the moment. We've won three of our last four. You can't even say we should change the defence because we kept three clean sheets as well. Should it just be the same team that beat Aston Villa two weeks ago? I mean, I would have no problems with it being the same team. Uh, I think it's all very dependent on... I think the the main one is Carl Walker-Peters, Roman Perot. I think that's probably the main one that someone will go for. That's like a tactical thing more than a personnel thing um, of whether he wants overlapping runs or someone who can cut inside. Walker-Peters' numbers are insane uh, for what he, how he carries the ball. We've probably got two of the best ball-carrying fullbacks in the league. Um, right now in Walker-Peters and Livramento, you look at their numbers and the amount of dribbles that they do and the distance that they carry the ball. It's it's very impressive. Like It's really, really impressive how much they get up and down. And that's something that we did struggle with last season with Walker-Peters not always being fit. Uh, Ryan Bertrand not being as athletic or maybe not going forward as much as he possibly could. Um, yeah, that's been the change this year is our fullbacks being able to get high and wide. But in all fairness, if we start with the same eleven that we we played against Aston Villa, I'd have no issues at all um, with Adam Armstrong, Chad. Adams. Of course, we've got Armando Brozier, who's now going to be fit for this game. Whether he's going to come back in or not, that's a question that we've got to ask. Uh, Jack Stevens, you said, is readying up for fitness, probably a little bit too early um, for him to come back in. And then you've got the likes of like I know people. 
like we usually Southampton are used to playing a wide player, like a quick wide player. Nathan Redmond, of course, had COVID, so he was out for the Villa game. Uh, playing a quick wide player, and then more of a ten in like an Armstronger and Elianuzi. That didn't happen against Villa, and that could be something we could see a change of as well. Bringing Redmond back in, or playing like a Teller or a Gineppo or or a Walcott with one of them two stepping out of the team. But yeah, in all fairness, if we play with the same team that we played against Villa, I would be quite happy. Is there a bit of a worry? I look at the defence and go, Salise is on four yellow cards at the moment. If he gets one more, because I, I believe it was Tom Leach that said he got three in his last five, which is quite a, a quick time to pick up that many yellow cards, that he will be suspended for one game? Or, Ollie, are you happy with our defensive options that if he gets suspended, we can then go either Bednarek Stevens, Stevens, uh, Lycano, uh, Lyanko, sorry, or one of those combinations instead and go, it's only one game, it's, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, I really like Stevens back in contention now. Um, I think him and Lyanko or Lyanko, whichever way we're pronouncing it, should be bled in the way that Salisu was bled in. It took a long time for us to see Salisu play consistently, and that may be down to possibly like his recurring injuries. However, I think it just puts less pressure on them. We know how difficult it is to pick up Ralph's system. And we also know that Lianco likes to be ambitious in the way he plays. He likes his long passes. He likes to be progressing the ball and, um, what would you say, like kind of be that tricky player as well. We've seen the training videos of him, you know, trying to chip it over players and stuff like that. So he like, he's a confidence player. And sometimes I think it is best to, you can chuck him in the deep end and see if they sink or swim. But I think it was also good to kind of, we know Stevens is going to be fairly consistent, do a decent job. So if Salisu does pick up that yellow card, Stevens can come in and just do the job we need to. And just no need to rush the anchor. We've got the depth and he will eventually like play when he needs to. But I just don't think we need to rush him into anything. So for me, if Salisu does pick up a, another yellow, I'll be happy for Stevens to come in. And um, yeah, I think it'll be a... a well, is it a one-match suspension if you get five I, yellow cards? I believe, I believe so, yeah. Ah, it's yeah, a one-match yeah. suspension. I yeah. think and then every other five yellow cards after that, I think it goes two, three, like that. I want, I want to say that's how it yeah. works anyway. And then the so. reset for that period of time is in eight games, I believe. Mm. So he's going to have eight games where he's going to be on one one yellow card away from a suspension. So it's it's a little bit too long to try and get him out. And also, like he has been our best centre half this year. I don't think you'd want him sitting out just because he's one booking away from a yellow uh, book one booking away from a suspension. So I think we're we're okay with that. Mm. Mikey was also talking. I don't know if it was last week or the one before of about how important Salisu is on the ball for us. I think he had. Um, what was it? He was it that it was on the ball the most. He made the most passes last game. Mm. I'm looking through here. He's got the most interceptions uh, per game for us. Uh, anything else of importance? He's third for tackles. Um, dribble. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, accurate long ball. Sorry, he's third again. Like so, his build up. He's very important as well. So you look at that and think possibly there might be a little bit of a hole that's left when he leaves. But again, if it's if it's one game, I think Stevens can fill in quite yeah. nicely. I don't think it'll be they're, too they're... much. Yeah, there there is a slight worry though that he will be going to the African Cup of Nations as well. Um, so that that'll be another three, four, five games out. But then that's also another chance for 
like we said, Lyanko, Jack Stevens to then get back into the team and then maybe keep their place as well. So there's certainly spots for those out of the team at the moment to get back in. You saw that with the wingers that Elianusi and Armstrong, they, they don't look like they're going to come out of the team after their performance against Aston Villa, but you've got players pressuring them, ironically, also in the wings, as the saying goes. So we'll have to see how that goes. Quickly, looking at Norwich City, George summed it up quite well and you know we don't want to sort of try and analyse something we obviously don't know as well as he does but looking at that Norwich side from an outsider's perspective who worries you and do you think players like Cantwell and Gilmore who may come into the team after being left on the side since early September will sort of have a point to prove to the old manager even though he's not there anymore Mikey? Uh, Yeah there's always going to be that sort of you always get new manager in different players are going to be given chances everyone's got a clean slate um, and it's whether you can impress them or not. Um, I, I think with um, with Norwich, it's goals. That's the issue, and it's not even just like scoring. Like we've seen teams this season, especially like teams like Southampton and Wolves and people like that who have created chances and not scored goals. But the issue with Norwich this year is that Norwich aren't really even creating good chances to score goals from. They've scored five um, all season. That's that's the worry. That's half than us, and we're second last. Yeah, you, you even look at people's, people's like creative stats and who's actually getting in good positions. You've always got Timo Puki, who is their out-and-out goal scorer. But apart from that, XG, like you look at XG-wise, you look at the chances that people have had, they're not high. They're not high in numbers. Um, it, it's not like that they're massively under, underperforming their XG. They're very much level with it, which is a massive worry for them because... That when when George was talking about their creative players and how they do, like it looks like it sounds like that counter attacking is the way that they're having to play because they don't have the quality to break down a team um, when they're already set. Uh, and of course, you look at Mila Rashika, you look at Matthias Norman and the goal that he scored last week. You look at players like Josh Sargent who haven't scored goals yet, and you do think to yourself, surely there was going to be some rotation in this team. Surely there's something that they can do. I've heard Brandon Williams has been good for them, uh, who, who they loaned him from Manchester United. He's been good as a fullback. He's been quite progressive. But it is like you do wonder. You saw Todd Cantwell last time they were in the Premier League, and he was one of their key players, he was one of their better players. He's not been given a chance this season. Billy Gilmore, you heard how well he was playing for Chelsea, how well he's playing for Scotland, and yet he wasn't in there. It is quite strange. It, it may be the height difference and the fact that Billy Gilmore's not tall and their Norwich midfield isn't tall, so they're going to get physically dominated. But it, it, is, it does seem like sometimes Norwich is a strange case study of when they go up, they always feel like the team that are just going to go straight back down again because they don't have that money to reinvest in the squad. Ollie, do you have a the similar opinion? And with that sort of Billy Gilmore situation with Todd Cantwell, it might be the same situation with Nigel Atkins and Jason Punchin way back when, when we were in the Championship League one and he was getting loaned out to Premier League Blackpool at the time because sometimes either the, the two, the manager and the player don't necessarily work, maybe they had a falling out. Because Punchin was a success for us for many years when he did play. It was just in the first few years, he, did, he you know, he, he just couldn't get into the sides. Ollie, what are your thoughts on that? And also just Norwich as a whole before we get into the score prediction. Um, well, I was just going to say one little thing that when Frank Lampard was, um, what was the word, rumoured with the job, Yeah. Um, I think one of the main things that people were saying was his, his ability to work with young players. 
Um, and obviously, Billy Gilmore is from the Chelsea Academy. You think that's a direct link there. But most of Frank Lampard's success as a manager has come from integrating young players and getting them involved. And I think Todd Cantwell and Billy Gilmore would directly relate to that. So I thought that would be, that was interesting if Lampard came in. But it, yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice to see what Dean Smith does with the youngsters, see if he if he would integrate them as much. So, yeah, I, I think when it comes to, what, two o'clock on Saturday, we're going to be, I think I'm going to be just as interested in Norwich's team as I am with Saints's because I kind of want to see what Dean Smith is going to do. He's probably going to keep it a 4-2-3-1, isn't he? Um, mm. we'll, we'll see. I, I'm very interested to see what happens. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's all a cloud of mystery, isn't it? Now it's time to predict what's going to happen. I'm going to throw it straight back to you, Lee. I yeah. want the score prediction. What's it going to be? I think it's going to be a 2-0 to, to Saints. I think Norwich struggle with goals. And I think we've got a, a team that are quite hot on form. So I'm going to go 2-0. Mikey Maysman? I'm going to go 3-1. I think the goals Ooh. are finally going to start coming in for this squad. You've got strikers that are on form. You've got different players you can sort of rotate around and and come into the squad. So I think I think finally things will start clicking goal scoring wise and we'll be able to take some of the chances we create. See off the microphone I'm I'm a lot more confident. A lot of the time just to uh try and you know play the mind games with George. But I, I'm gonna go two nil as well. I wanna say I want to say three nil and maybe under Daniel Farker I probably would have said three nil because we talked a lot about that pass completion and I think against Brentford they didn't only just have seventy percent long balls like attempted they had a 67 percent pass accuracy against us if you have a 67 percent pass accuracy we will have i mean we've only scored 10 goals this season so there's no guarantee that we'd win but we certainly create a lot of chances so i'm just going to go with a sort of a reserves 2-0 if you could if you could say that we're going to continue our good momentum in the league make it four wins out of five and another clean sheet as well that's my opinion get yours at saints underscore score on twitter and voice fm radio as well next week we are going to be back to review whatever happened for this game against Norwich City hopefully it will be a win and also preview a big game against Liverpool that's going to be an interesting one we'll see how they've done because they recently lost 3-2 to West Ham so they might they might uh, they'll only have one win from now and then so we'll have to see so thank you very much for listening for this week I've been Harry Tizard I've been joined by Ollie Bose or joined with Ollie Bose yeah come on Mikey Maysman. Yeah, goodbye. Goodbye <laughs> and goodbye from me. We'll see you next Saturday. 